Dear Father in heaven, bless your word to our hearts this day and every Dear Father in heaven, bless your word to our hearts this day and every day, we pray through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I don't know about you, but um, I don't like litter. I don't like to be driving down a road or down a street and see paper and plastic bags in the ditches. I just don't like it because I don't understand it. I've never understood why people would just toss something out the window. And it's been on my mind a lot lately because in my neighborhood, there is someone who at least twice a week leaves litter in front of our house. And it's not accidental because it's in the exact same place every time. It's like a paper or plastic cup. It's about maybe 10 or 12 inches tall. It's either from rallies or it's from McDonald's, whatever he's had that day or night. I don't know when it happens. It just appears. And it's a small thing. I mean, why worry about that, you know? I mean, litter. People do it all the time. But when it's done repeatedly, week in, week out, it kind of gets in your head. And I start to wonder, well, how should I respond? You know, there's a, there's a difference between a reaction and a response, right? A, a reaction is something, it's just sort of a reflex, something you do without thinking and you often regret. You know, I, I've thought about maybe buying one of these little wildlife cams and putting it out there and seeing who it is who's littering the property. Maybe at least get the license plate number. And, and then I thought, well, you know, a response is, is something that's well thought out. And our Christian faith provides us with the ability to respond to almost any situation in life. Uh, our Christian faith is very practical. And so thinking along those lines, it occurred to me that my response ought to be to do what I've been doing all along, which is I go out, I pick up the cup, and I dispose of it properly. And I've resolved, I've decided, and this is a decision, I would underline the word I've decided here, that my ability to clean up his mess will be greater than his ability to create the mess. And stated in a theological way, it goes like this. My ability to forgive will exceed his ability to offend. We see that in our gospel reading for this morning. From Matthew 18, on page 8 of your worship bulletin, Peter came up and said to Jesus, 
And, and bear in mind what we said last week, chapter 18, the fourth discourse of Jesus in Matthew's gospel is all about who's the greatest, meaning who's the neediest, who is the person who most needs your attention right now, and it's the, the little child who cannot do for himself, right? Uh, it's, the, it's the sheep that wanders from the flock that needs to be brought back and so on. These people are our priority, including the one who offends you. And we'll say why shortly, why he should be a priority. But Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? Now, Roman numeral one in your worship outline, in your sermon outline, page nine, Peter's being generous by rabbinical standards. Rabbis would require only three forgivenesses for an offense. Peter's doubling that and adding one to it, going all the way to the number seven times. And it reminds me of what our Lord said in Matthew 5.20 when he said to his disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. And Peter's righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Right here is an example. He should be congratulated for his generosity. But letter A, even this fails to meet God's standard. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but here, uh, this is not the ESV, uh, 70 times seven, or you could say 77 times. You can translate it either way. I think 77 is the better translation, but it doesn't really matter because the whole point is not how many times, but you do it without limit. You forgive without limit, that's the point. And you may recall from Genesis chapter 24, Lamech, uh, in the seventh generation from Noah, he, Lamech was a pretty bad dude. And this is what he said in Genesis 4:24. he said to his two wives, he said, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. And there it's 77. And I think Jesus is playing off of that. Letter B, Jesus replaces Lamech's unlimited vengeance with the disciples' unlimited forgiveness. It's quite a contrast. We're to be unlamics, <laughs> the opposite of Lamech. Roman numeral two, Jesus requires infinite forgiveness of us because he's given infinite forgiveness to us. And, and it's a truism, we said this before, Whatever God asks of you, he first gives to you. He always does. He never asks something of you that he's not already given. Whether it's money or your time or your talents, they're all gifts from God and they're meant to be shared. We're to be a channel, not a clog, right? When God gives to us, 
We're not a clog. We let it flow through us to others. That's how giving works. That's how God chooses to give to your neighbor. It's through you. Letter A, sin is a debt in Matthew's gospel. The Lord's Prayer, according to Matthew, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now a debt is what you owe, and here the debt, uh, 10,000 talents in verse 24, it's been estimated it would take somebody over 1,000 years to pay off that debt, working full-time all the time, nothing but working. Even Methuselah didn't live that long. You see, this is an impossibility. You can never repay your debt of sin. So let her be the king is compassionate and gracious. He doesn't have to be, but it's his nature. He himself bears the cost. So I think all of us know that forgiveness is expensive. To forgive a debt means that the one who forgives must pay it himself. He's paying the debt. And in the case of the Lord, it's with his own life. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He dies for you, for me, in our place. He takes our death upon himself. As one of my seminary profs used to say, he forgives us more sins than we've got. And so let her see, the servant received much more than he dared ask. You know, there's two realities here. There's the human reality. There's a deep debt that can never be repaid. It's beyond the ability to pay. And then on the other hand, there's the divine reality. The deep compassion of God that exceeds the deepness of the indebtedness. And God's willingness to pay for you and for me. That's the good news. And it's the good news we proclaim every Lord's Day that you are forgiven. No matter what you've done or where you've been. That's our faith. Because that's the gospel. Roman numeral three. Only as I admit my own need of unlimited forgiveness can I give the same to others. Only as I admit my own need of unlimited forgiveness can I go and do likewise. Why is it that we are unwilling to forgive? It's for this reason and this reason alone, because you and I have too high an opinion of ourselves. We've forgotten how much we have failed those around us. We've forgotten it. Jesus said it this way, in Luke 7, whoever has been forgiven much will love much. Whoever's been forgiven little will love little. And it's true. It's true. We've been forgiven much according to the gospel. But in Roman numeral 4, I tack this on. I don't charge extra for this, but I, I just thought, you know, why is it 
that God can be so loving and so deeply compassionate on, one, on the one hand. And then on the other hand, he throws this guy into prison. And Jesus says to us, in verse 35, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus just seems to flip. Being the completely opposite of what he was earlier, just a moment earlier. Why? Many people just can't reconcile these two views of God. But we must do it because it's the biblical view of God. Letter A, the servant was wicked because he was unwilling to forgive, not because he was unable to pay his debt. None of us can repay our debt. That doesn't get us off the hook. But it simply means there's no difference among us. That's all it means. Letter B, when we refuse to forgive, God allows us to taste our own medicine. He's simply giving back to us what we've been giving to everyone else. That's justice. That's righteousness. You know, Jesus said if, in, in Matthew 6, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you. That's a warning, and he means it. In Matthew 7, he says, with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure that you measure, it will be measured back to you. That's Jesus. Letter C. His anger at your unforgiveness reveals his love for those around you. You see, law and gospel are just two sides of the same coin. God's mercy and God's punishment are two sides of the same coin. He loves your offender as much as he loves you. And when you withhold forgiveness from your offender, God says, uh-uh. I'm going to turn the tables on you. I'm going to treat you exactly the way you treat your neighbor. How do you like that? That's love for your neighbor. But the same thing works in reverse. When you've offended your neighbor and your neighbor refuses to share God's forgiveness with you, our Lord speaks this warning to the neighbor. Why? Because he loves you as much as he loves the neighbor. You see, God's judgment is just another way, an odd way, Luther would say, a strange way of expressing his love for someone else. That's all it is. It shouldn't bother you. It should encourage you. God loves all of us, not just some. And he'll back it up. So, letter D. The greatest, you know, this is Matthew 18. The subject is, who's the greatest among us? Who, and that means, according to Jesus, who's the neediest? Who deserves your attention at this moment? The greatest or the neediest disciple is the one who has sinned and needs your forgiveness 
to release him from the judgment he deserves. I'm just quoting one of our professors there. People who refuse to repent place themselves under the judgment of God. Those who refuse to forgive place themselves back under the law, back under the judgment of God. They remove themselves from the gospel, God's gospel way of dealing with them, and they place themselves back under God's law way of dealing with them. And that means that if your offender is unrepentant, he's placed himself on the path to hell. And you and your forgiveness may be the only things standing between him and eternal damnation. Think about that. The forgiveness you have to offer may be the only thing standing between him and judgment. When you think of it that way, how could you not forgive? Is anyone so bad that you would want them to burn in hell forever? No, I hope not. Truth is, there's no difference among us at all. Your neighbor is like you more than you know, more than I know. Those who forgive, those who forgive much, love much. Now I know the man in our gospel reading, this odd duck, was not forgiving after he had been forgiven a large amount, but, but this fella is an anomaly. He's a freak, all right, all right? This is unnatural. What Jesus is describing here should not happen. And ordinarily, it would not happen. Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we also, listen to this, this is from Matthew, as we also have forgiven our debtors, meaning it just naturally follows. It's a foregone conclusion. This is what you're going to do. He's certain of it. Why? How can he be so certain that you and I will just forgive everyone? Because we know how much we ourselves have been forgiven. When we know that, we will forgive. So, the question for you today is simply this. Are you forgiven much? Or are you forgiven little? Your answer to that reveals not only where you stand with God today, but also reveals how you will treat, it predicts how you will treat those around you. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus, amen.